Let me ask you a question. Do you ever just wake up, look around, and wonder to yourself, how did my life become what my life is? This is not how I envisioned it. This is not how I pictured it. Don't say amen to this, but the person sitting next to me is not who I wanted to grow old with. I'm just miserable. I I just don't enjoy doing this thing called life anymore. There has to be more to life than this. In every way possible, you get up in the morning thinking to yourself, if this is all that life is, then life is a joke. You're just frustrated. You're just continuing to do the same thing over and over and over. And if we were to be honest today, at one time or another, every one of us have been in that boat. And it's normally, to be honest with you, it's towards the end of the year when we start to feel that way because we get this mindset that, man, something magical happens on New Year's Eve and January 1st comes and we've set all these goals and all these purposes and all these things we want to accomplish and we've set out saying, man, New Year, new me. And I feel like the BS was even taken to a whole nother level this year because it wasn't just a new year. It was a new decade. And the depression went to another level. It went to not I had a horrible year. I had a horrible decade. Oh, woe is me. Life was so miserable. Nothing goes right. I'm just convinced that the 20s are going to be better because magically the clock flipped to a new year. And it starts off that way. I go to the gym every morning at 4.45. At 4.45 in the morning... There are about 30 people at the gym I go to. It's the same 30 people every day. At 445, there is a deal, an unspoken rule among those 30 people. We do not talk to each other. We do not say hello to each other. None of us smile, and none of us look like we enjoy being there. I got up at 445 on January 2nd, and I went to the gym, and there was about 300 people at the gym. I'm not exaggerating. They were breaking all the rules. They were trying to talk to each other. They were smiling. And they were ruining the experience of being negative at the gym that I so much enjoy because they were full of optimism. And they had set new goals. And this was the year they were going to change their life. Now, here's what I know. Tomorrow, I'll go to the gym at 445, and that 300 will be down to about 150 that quick. Here's what else I know, and this is what gets me through that period. By February 1st, it'll be down to my 30. And we'll be there, and we'll be grumpy together. We'll be curmudgeons together, because the fact of the matter is, New Year means nothing if you're not willing to make the changes necessary to make it something. It sounds so cliche and I didn't get real creative, but it is 2020 and it's time to get a 2020 vision for our lives. 2020 vision, vision in, the, in the eye world means you see everything clearly. It's perfect sight. You have a focus on what you can see. 
And the problem is so many of us are living our life, we're unfocused in what our goals are, we're unfocused in what our purpose is, we're unfocused in every aspect of our life, and we want to make the changes. I'm convinced that we want to make the changes. We're sick and tired of being sick and tired, but when the rubber hits the road, we don't know the steps necessary to make those changes. And the problem is we keep doing what we've always been doing, and we all know the old saying, if you keep doing what you've been doing, you keep getting what you've been getting. What did I say the definition of insanity is? Is to keep doing the same thing over and over and over and expecting a different outcome. So here's what I want for your life, and here's what I know with this sermon. I'm going to be real negative for a second. This is one of those sermon series that maybe at the end of the series, three of you will implement what I say. And those three people will literally change their lives in 2020. For the first time ever, you'll live life with purpose, and you'll live life with passion, and you'll live life knowing that you've accomplished some things because you took an approach to your life where you're willing to look at every aspect of your life and improve in those aspects. It's kind of like a diet. We automatically associate the word diet with food. When really we need to associate with every aspect. We need to associate a diet with what comes into our view, who we hang out with, the thoughts that come into our life. We need to not only make sure the food going into our body is healthy, but the emotional stuff going into our body is healthy. And the relationships in our life are healthy. Nothing, and I'm talking about that during this series, nothing will kill you faster than bad relationships. But you're loyal to them. They've been there for you forever. They've also brought you down forever. Oh, I didn't say that, did I? Oh, I'm getting ahead of myself. That's a couple of weeks from now. But today we're going to talk about the subject that automatically makes everybody uncomfortable in church. But it's a subject that needs to be talked about because I'm convinced it's the number one issue in people changing their life. It's the number one thing. It's the number one reason why people can't change their life. Today is the first Sunday in January. And what that means is you just came out of the month of 2019 where you spent the most money. What it means is any day now you will go to your mailbox and you will pull out that credit card bill and you will see all the money you spent in December on gifts trying to impress people that really in most situations you don't even like. You'll see all the money that you spent going into debt for your kids for them to play with it for 30 minutes and then want to play and build forts out of the boxes. And you will spend the next year paying off what you did in December just to do it again because we get in that vicious cycle of doing that. It can be overwhelming. And the number one reason People never live the purpose in their life and are willing to, to have the testicular fortitude, if you will, to step out in areas of faith in their career and their relationships and break out of their routine is most of them can't afford to. Let me educate you on something. If you don't remember anything I say today, remember this. We do not have a money problem in our society. We have a spending problem. I heard someone talking the other day. They said, I don't understand how these athletes, how they go broke. Because they spend money like you spend money. It's just another zero. You're buying a $250,000 house and they're buying a $2.5 million house. And percentage-wise, guess what? It's still the same. 
They're spending more than they make. And if there's ever going to get our life in a line, we have got to get a 2020 vision for our finances. Now, people get funny when you talk about money in the church. So here's my promise to you today. So you can relax and you can chill. And I won't feed into every stereotype you have about church. I'm not going to mention one word today about giving your money. That's between you and God. The Bible says, will a man rob God? How do we rob God with our tithes and offerings? If you want to rob God, that's between you. Oh, I just said something about giving, my bad. After that, I'm not going to say another word about giving. It's not a message about giving. It's a message about getting. Getting what is already yours that you actually are already giving away to everybody and anybody except God. We're in financial debt. Most of us think, again, we have a financial problem and we actually have a spending problem. The Bible says this. And really, you know what's amazing is the Bible lays it out when it comes to finances. I don't care if you're an atheist and don't believe anything about the Bible. The principles in here are solid. And here's what the Bible says about money. The Bible says the rich rule over the poor. And the borrower is servant to the lender. That's a powerful statement. The rich Rule over the poor. Those who have finances, whose money is in line, they're not in bondage and they can live the way they want to live. They rule over the poor. Let me give you an example. I was trying to buy a trailer this week. Let me back that up. I'm probably going to buy a trailer this week. I bought it and I'm going to buy it from a guy. And you're going to say, this is horrible. The rich rule over the poor. This guy has allowed himself to get into a big financial mess. I don't really need a trailer. I want the trailer. It would make my life a little easier to have the trailer. So far, and he's going to come down a little bit more because I'm going to show up for cash, and that's just the way it's going to happen. I've already got him to come off. Listen, don't miss this. Come off the price of his trailer by $8,000. You say, How? Here's how. He's in debt. He needs money. Because about six years ago, I learned how to have sound financial principles. I'm not in debt. And while by no means am I rich, I have the money to be able to buy the trailer that I want and cash rules. You say, that's horrible. Is it? It's not horrible to me. The Bible says the rich rule over the poor. He's desperate. No one else is calling him about the trailer. I am. He needs the money. He screwed up and told me when he needed the money by or what was going to happen. So guess what? The day before that, I'll get it down to about $10,000 off his price. You should be ashamed. I'm not. It's not my fault that he doesn't have signed financial principles and he's put himself in that situation. I don't say it in a judgmental way. I've been there. I've done that in full disclaimer because I cannot stand a hypocrite. I've shared this with you before. About 10 years ago, I filed for bankruptcy. That's how bad my financial principles were. The borrower is servant to the lender. You say, I don't agree with that. Sure, don't pay your car payment. Don't pay your house payment. Don't pay your credit card payment. Don't pay, because I'm going to hurt some of your feelings today. It just is what it is. Don't pay the couch that you financed. Don't pay the TV that you financed. 
can't step out in faith and do anything. I just don't have the money. You finance the TV. Here's your sign. This is one of those sermons today you're going to leave mad today because the large majority of us are in huge financial situations. But I'm telling you, if you get past your pride today and you get past your ego today and you listen to the principles I'm about to teach you, it will change your life. The rich rule over the poor. The borrower is servant to the lender. That word servant literally means we're a slave to the person. For many of us, we're slaves to our money because we owe everybody around us what we make. We work and we work and we work and the minute we make it, it goes right back out. You ever borrowed money from a friend and you feel guilty to even go out to eat because you know you owe money? Yeah, I've been there and done that too. Again, I've been there with you. I get it. It's because we're slave to them. I post everything on Facebook. I, I didn't mind what posting I went out to eat. Got enough money to go out to eat. Ain't got enough money to pay me back. Let me go over an old principle with you. It's going to blow your mind. How many of you, it should probably be everybody here except Doug Knight, how many of you are under 70 years old? Under 70, hold your hands up. Okay. So if you're under 70, this is going to be a principle that is going to blow your mind. It's going to be a principle that you've never heard of, but for centuries it's a principle that people lived by. It's a shocker. I like to give you groundbreaking things that you've never heard before. And this is going to be one of those things. Here's the principle. It used to be that if you did not have the money to buy something you wanted, you weren't allowed to buy it. I understand that those of you that are under 30 are very confused. Those between 30 and 70, you've heard the principle, but you never lived by it. Those under 30 have never heard this principle in your life. Because the minute you turned 18, you got a credit card and started financing stuff. So let me repeat it again. It used to be that if you didn't have the money to buy what you wanted, you weren't allowed to buy it. Shocking. There used to be a rule that you actually had to have money to purchase something. It's amazing. But that rule's out the door now. Before the Great Depression in America, listen to this, before the Great Depression, only 2% of homes in America were financed. Isn't that amazing? Before the Great Depression, only 2% of homes in America were financed. Four decades later, I guess five decades later now, only 2% of the homes in America are not financed. We've had a shift. Maybe you had a grandparent, a grandfather, someone that lived during the Depression era, and you remember, man, they, they, they were saying they used to pinch pennies. They'd come out, and they would say, man, they'd save the tinfoil and reuse it. Everything meant something to them because they understood the value of a dollar. And now you say, man, I'm not going to live my life like that. I refuse to live my life not being able to spend money and not get what I want. But the problem is now you're at retirement age and you can't retire. We have a social security problem. No, we have a spending problem. We spend more than we make. You can finance a dog now. Do you hear what I just said? 
you can finance a pet. If you have to finance that pet, you don't need the pet. If you have to literally, if you have to finance your television, with all due respect to anybody who has went to Aaron's Rent and done that, you don't need that television. We don't have a money problem. We have a spending problem. And the fact that we have a spending problem has us in debt, and we can't live the life that we envision living. So many people come to me and they say, man, I have this vision for my life, but I want to step out and I want to do this with my career and do this, and I want to do this and I have a passion for this. And I'm like, go do it. And they're like, I can't afford to. How sad. We have some certain things like financing the TV that's more important than living our passion. We don't know what to say no to so we can say yes to the greatest things that we want to do. The things that bring us true fulfillment. (laughs) We have a generation that is growing up has an entitled mindset. We think we deserve everything that took our parents 40 or 50 years to get. This is kind of weird, and this is one of the things that got me in this mess. So I grew up, and my parents, my dad was a pretty successful businessman. And we had never lived ever in my life. We moved a lot. We had never, I had never, ever, ever lived in a home or an apartment where someone else had lived before. A used house, I guess you would call it. And so it kind of freaked me all out. So I went to buy a house one time. I was like, I don't don't buy used homes. I don't live in those. I'm 24 freaking years old, making $12 an hour. And I about ruined myself buying a new house because that's what my parents lived in. And then, I don't drive an old car. My parents have always driven new cars. That's how you do it. That's how you guys making $12 an hour? Okay, just making sure. I didn't have a financial problem. I had a spending problem. I thought I had to have everything my parents had when they had it. We have a generation. We are a generation of pretenders. <laughs> We've got the stuff, but we really don't have the stuff because we owe money on the stuff. We're pretending we have it. We don't own any of our stuff, but we owe on all of our stuff. The Bible says this in Proverbs 13, 7. One person pretends to be rich, yet has nothing. I can't tell you how many homes I've been in of young married couples where they have a beautiful home in a beautiful neighborhood. And you walk in the home and there's literally no furniture and they're eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. But on the outside, boy, they're impressing everybody. We're pretenders. We're fakers. We're worried about what everyone's going to think of us. I don't want my friends to think, your friends think something bad about you. They're not your friends. Screw them. I say that theologically speaking. We're out of control with our finances. 
There's three groups of people in our country when it comes to finances. The haves, the have-nots, and the have not paid for what they got. And those that have not paid for what they got are the ones that are going to continue to pay for forever. It's better to be a have-not than to have an owe on it. So what we want to do is I want to show you some principles today about your finances. Some biblical principles, but I'm listening to me today. I'm telling you principles that will change the course of your life. It'll take some steps that you've got to do in order to get there. You might have to eat ramen noodles for a year in order to be able to eat steak the rest of your life. You have such a short-term vision for your life. You have such a small mindset in your life. You can't see the forest because you're standing in front of the tree. Really what it boils down to is we're just not disciplined enough to live the life that we want to live. You're weak. You're small-minded. And I'm not trying to be mean, but five years you'll be in the same boat. Except you might be in a worse boat because the economy, and I don't want to get into politics, but the economy cannot maintain this forever. It will crash. It might be five years, it might be ten years, but it will crash. It always does. And those that understand financial principles, they power through those things. Nothing will limit your ability to live the life God created you for like being in financial slavery. Someone told me one time, they said, man, I don't understand how you just step out and do stuff all the time. I'm going to tell you the number one reason I can step out and do things all the time. It's not even because I'm a risk taker. People think I'm a risk taker. You're foolish. I start nothing that if it fails will impact my house. I'm not a risk taker. But I'm also not in debt at all. And so I can afford to step out and try some things. I can walk away from everything today knowing that this makes me money and this makes me money. And guess what? If they all bottom out, I don't owe anything. I added it up one time. And if I had to, I could go work at Chick-fil-A. What do you, Chick-fil-A, how may I serve you, whatever the crap it is? My pleasure to serve you. I'd probably get fired the first day, evidently. And I could pay my bills. We haven't done much right in our life. Me and Christine could write a book on how not to be married and how to do stupid, stupid stuff. But she's a machine when it comes to finances. She grew up with a grandfather who was a machine when it came to finances. So I can't even take credit for it. But I'm so glad there's sound financial principles Principles that we implement to our kids even at 12 and 13 years old. Because I don't want them to go through the things I went through. I know you're tired of living life like it's Groundhog Day, going through the motions. The first step in living the life you want to live is getting your finances in order. The first thing we're going to do is we're going to embrace the value of self-control. We're going to embrace the value of self-control. The Bible says in Proverbs 28, like a city whose walls are broken through is a person that lacks self-control. You need to understand this. If you do not have sound financial advice, if you don't have financial control, the Bible says you're like a city without walls. 
And what that meant back in those days is the cities were set up in the middle of nowhere and they had walls around them. And without any walls, you're defenseless to attacks. You're vulnerable to what comes in. They can come at you from any angle. And right now, you have no self-control when it comes to spending. So what happens is is debt hits you from the right, and debt hits you from the left, and debt hits you from the north, and debt hits you from the, the west, and the east, and the south. And you're getting hit all over the place because you simply don't have self-control. It's one of the great ploys of our enemy to get us financially trapped. And with no self-control, you end up in trouble. That's why it's such a lie when you say, if I just made a little bit more, mm -mm, you would just spend a little bit more. You know what always kills me? I'm going to be an a-hole here for a minute. Surprise. Gary. Man, pray I win that $100 million. If I win that $100 million, you know how much money I'm going to give to the church? And I always answer them, none. Well, what? I said, so you're telling me that when you have $100 million, you're going to tithe and give $10 million when you can't tithe off four hundred. dollars So you're not willing to give forty, but you expect me to believe you're going to give $10 million? Shut up. That's just mean. No, I'm just being honest with you. I ain't here to be your friend. I'm telling you, this principle will change your life. We've got to learn the value of self-control, and we battle self-control. We have this little kid inside of us who's, at, who's like that little kid at the grocery store that wants the candy bar. I saw this little kid that they pitching a fit over a candy bar a freaking Snickers. Falling out on the floor, pitching. I beat that kid. I almost beat that kid and he wasn't my kid. Like I felt bad. Like Christine hit me because I was staring. She's like, stop staring. I said, that kid is pitching a fit over, like, I, like I'm like, why am I getting mad? But guess what happened to that little kid? He got the candy bar. So guess what he's going to do the next time he's going to pitch a fit? We're like that little kid. We see something we want, and, and we got to have it. I want it now. And for us, it's not, it's not a candy bar. It's a, it's a ring or a new car or it's a vacation I want it now. I want it now. And you're saying, Gears, there's anything wrong with those things? No, there's nothing wrong with those things, except if you can't afford it, it's wrong. Get your finances in order. Where when you want something, you can go get that something. Hey, ladies, don't worry, I'm going to get to the guys. But, ladies, men, Please grab your wife's hand right now where she doesn't get up and smack me. <laughs> Ladies, you can nickel and dime yourself to death. And if there's a man standing by, you'll nickel and dime him to death too. Amen. <laughs> we have no self-control. Gary, well, not Gary, honey, look at this belt I bought. It was 60% off. Do you know how much money I saved? You didn't save any money. You spent the 40%. The only way you saved money is if you didn't buy it. Because you wouldn't have bought it at the regular price, so you didn't save money. And let me tell you the worst place about it. Who, who shops at Kohl's? Kohl's, what's the last thing they tell you when you check out? You just saved $280-something off our regular price. Yeah, but I just dropped 140 
So I didn't save money. But you needed those. Yes. I needed that seventh pair of blue jeans. I had to go to my wife recently and say, I love you. And we're good financially. And I don't ever tell you how to spend money. I said, but you're one woman. How many printed t-shirts can one woman have? You literally have 427 different t-shirts. Then I jumped back and I thought she's fixing to punch me. I'm smart, I know when to shut up, and I walked away. A couple days later, she said, I made a decision. What decision did you make? Not buying any t-shirts for a while. I'm like, that's good. Just because it has a cute saying on it doesn't mean you need it. And we'll nickel and dime something to death and justify it because we saved money. But if you never spent the money, you would have said, we have no (laughs) self-control. Now, men... We're not bad about nickel and diming. We're not. But we are bad about shooting the whole load all at once. Like for us, it ain't a $40 off belt. It's bam, four-wheeler. Bam, new gun. Bam, new tree stand. Bam, new whatever. I gotta be careful, Richard's running sound, but bam, new guitar. <laughs> like, like we, we won't go spend the ten or twelve dollars like like me, for example. Like literally, like literally, I have like seven shirts and they're all Southern Honor t-shirts. Christine's like, God, can you wear something that is not that? I'm like, well, they're just in the drawer and they're on the top. But I got no problem showing up with something expensive. And then you know what we do, man? We justify it. Well, it's not like I go to the store a hundred times and buy earrings and nails and makeup. So it all equals out. We have no self-control. We want what we want. It was funny when I bought my truck. What you didn't realize was I had totaled my car before I ever posted about wanting a truck. I didn't post about totaling my car until I decided to finally buy a truck. So I posted, oh, I've been looking at trucks, blah, blah, blah. Then I posted, oh, they just totaled my car. Everyone's like, oh, that's convenient. Oh, that was, you didn't talk about, well, just because I don't post it doesn't mean it's not true. I already knew the car was totaled and I had to get something. But you know how nice it was to be able to walk on a car lot and purchase what I needed? Stop, back that up. Let me be real arrogant for a minute. What I wanted because I had no other debt. Because I knew what I could put down on the car that would make it where I needed it to be because I knew that we don't do a lot right but our financial principles were in place. I wanted a truck for about a year and a half. Guess what? A year and a half ago I couldn't afford a truck. So I had to learn self-control. It would behoove some of you to learn self-control. You don't always need what you want when you want it. (laughs) Hey, does your 12-year-old kid really need an iPhone 10? It's okay, make them suffer. Let them get by with an 8. Emily's phone died the other day. I don't have a 10, and so we went, and this is how mean I am. 
It was really going to be about the same price to get her a 10. I was like, she is not getting a 10. I don't have a 10. She can have an 8. You would have thought I put a gun to her head and killed her. That she had to suffer with an iPhone 8. So I went old school on her. I said, when I was 16 years old, I had to pay for my own beeper. (laughs) I kid you not. She literally didn't even know what I was talking about. You're what? A beeper. What's that? It was awesome. We spoke in code and numbers. I had the bad beeper too. You know, it was black, but it was that see-through black. So you could see all the parts in it. It was five extra dollars. That's how I rolled back in the day. Had a beeper that I had to pay for $4.99 a month to have beeper service. You got a freaking computer in your hand. Self-control. Do you really need that brand new car when it depreciates 20% the minute you drive it off the lot? Or can you get by with something a little older? Now listen to me. Don't miss this. I'm not saying don't enjoy life. Oh my God, I love life. Go buy the car. Go get the butt warmers and the, the heated seat and get everything you want. Once you're debt free. And you can afford it. Quit trying to impress people with stuff that you have. Especially when you don't even like the people you're trying to impress. It's funny, we thought we outgrew that in high school, but we didn't. We still lack self-control. Ladies, go get your nails done every single week. When you can afford it. Some of your financing, getting your hair done. What's wrong with you? Come over to my house. I tend for that stuff like it's nobody's business. <laughs> I can watch YouTube. What we're going to do is we're going to say no today when we can say yes the rest of our life. I said no to a truck for six years. The minute I get a truck, you know what someone here says? Not one person, about four people. Must be nice. You know what my response was? It is. Sorry that you don't know how to manage your money. I used to feel bad about that kind of stuff. I don't anymore. Because you lack self-control. Don't take it out on someone else. If you're making 15, I've never made a a pay, I've never worked for anybody else. I don't know what's good, I don't know what people make nowadays, so I'm just going to make up a figure. If you make 15, is $15 an hour good money? If you're young, like in your 20s? Okay, Okay, awesome. If you make $15 an hour, that's awesome. But you probably don't need a brand new truck and a brand new house. Go get you a one-bedroom apartment for a little while. Self-control. You know what? Can 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 I educate you on something? Because I like to spin everything to make it look good. It sounds really, really good for me to be like, you know what, I just wanted to live in the part of the town where I pastored at because I have a heart for that poor part of town. No. 
That's really all I could afford. I could have went and bought a $300,000 house in a big, beautiful neighborhood, and guess what? I would had no money to do anything else. Say so we bought a $130,000 house in the poor part of town because I don't want to be slave to my house. It's funny, I think the last time I preached this message, Rich was running sound, and here he's running sound again. I always use Rich as an example in this sermon. You know why Rich gets to be a rock star? Because he lives the real rock star life. You say, oh, it must be nice. No, no, go ask him what the real rock star life is someday. He makes decisions in his life that allow him to do what he loves to do. He has self-control. He drives a 20-year-old truck. Why? Because his love for playing music overrides his need to drive a brand new car. Now, you can drive the brand new car, but don't get mad that you're miserable in your job at Guitar Center. You've got to have self-control. Embrace the value of sacrifice. There's one thing that comes through as you study out the life of a Christ follower. It's the, it's the life of sacrifice. The Bible says this in Hebrews 12 too, Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him entered the cross. Here's what that's saying. He made the sacrifice, the brutal sacrifice of his life for something he wanted even more. The joy set before him, the ability to save us. He sacrificed this for what in his eyes was something better. I like to define sacrifice this way. It's giving up something you love for something you love even more. It's giving up something you love for something you love even more. It's giving up something you love for something you love anymore. You might love wasting your life. Let me back that up because that sounded derogatory. You might love cable television. You might love being able to watch movies and football games and basketball games and all the things that you have would come with cable. But you might be willing to sacrifice the cable because you love having a debt-free Christmas more. Is there anything wrong with cable? No. But some of you can't afford the essentials and yet you have cable. I'm going to really piss some of you off right here. Let me tell you the quickest way not to get help from me when you come to me as a church. You come to me and you're smoking, I'm not helping you. That's not right. I don't care. Go start your own church and do whatever how you want to do it. You're saying smoking's wrong? No. I'm not even saying smoking's wrong. But what I'm saying is your love for smoking overrides your love for having your power cut on. Your love for having a drink overrides your love for making sure that the heat's cut on in your house. I'm not going to help you. You're a jerk. Okay, cool. We've got to learn the value of sacrifice. Huh. Do, do, do you want cable or do you want to keep paying for Christmas come May? So you give up your cable where you can enjoy other things. 
Christine and I love to travel. We don't get to travel a lot because we have 737 kids. But we go out of town a lot. Every chance we get. And people always make comments about it. Must be nice to travel that much it is. But we made a decision. Guess what? In six years, we've never had cable. In six years, we've never had debt. In six years, we don't have a credit card. In six years, we don't owe on this and owe on that. And there's nothing wrong with this. We just decided as much as fun as all those things sound, we'd rather be able to go travel and do stuff that we enjoy. We, we decided early on, and I'm not saying you have to have this much, but we decided as fun as possessions are, we love memories more. I want to make memories with my kids. I don't need possessions. So we sacrifice things that we love. And don't get me wrong, I'd love to have cable. I'd love, I love football. I'd love to be able to watch a football game. I'd love, man, I'd love, I'm on this UFC kick right now. I'd love to be able to get the Conor McGregor fight coming up. Then I clicked on it the other day at a fun $85? No. I don't love Conor McGregor that much. I will miss it. I'll see who won and I'll find a legal run of it on YouTube the next day. Now you say there's anything wrong with it. No, there's not. I'm just trying to get you to understand. If you want financial principles, I want to be able to step out and follow my goal in life. Okay. I just don't have the money. Then I quit playing golf every week. Maybe you miss a, a season of hunting. And I love how you justify, I put food on my table. Oh, that's the most expensive meat you've ever put on your table. <laughs> hunting land and guns and camo. And again, don't miss what I'm saying. Nothing wrong with any of those things. Just quit whining about what you can't do because you're not willing to sacrifice. Well, I do this sport and it's paid for. No, it's not because you pay for gas and you pay for food and it takes time away from you being able to hustle. No, you don't, so keep fooling yourself. You're not fooling me. You're not willing to make the sacrifice. Met a college kid the other day. And he said, made some comment about, man, my back sore, I've been sleeping on the couch. Kind of caught my attention. I said, man, what are you doing sleeping on the couch? I thought you had an apartment because I do have a three-bedroom apartment. I said, why are you sleeping on the couch? Just blew my mind. He said, I don't want student loan debt. So I rent all three of those rooms out to other people. And I make them pay all the bills. I'll sleep on the couch for the next two years. That guy's going to be a millionaire one day. He's willing to sacrifice. He's willing to say no today where he can say yes for the rest of his life. Sound financial principles. If you don't have signed financial principles, you'll, you'll never get to where you need to be. You know one of the quickest ways you can save money? Oh, I'm going to get too close to you right here. I'm just trying to help you, though. Quit going out to eat lunch every day. I'm going to give you some stats here in a minute. That $7 or $8 sandwich, that $1.50 drink, that $10 a day that you don't think about, the other week is $50. Maybe you love eating out every day. Maybe. I love paying my car off more. 
I don't ever want to have a car payment again. I was very close to it. Now I'm back there again with a small car payment. I want it paid off. So we say no to some things. And you know what I found out about too? Christine and I went out to eat the other night. It's the first time we went out to eat, except for Sunday. We went out to eat on Sunday. First time we'd been out to eat in about a month. Now, we used to eat out four to five times a week. And again, it's okay because we can afford it. But do you know how much we enjoyed going out to eat the other night? Because we didn't do it all the time? It felt like a real date. Like normally it's just get done eating real quick and be done. It was like, wow, it's nice. There's no kids. There's no one talking. And we sit there forever just enjoying each other, making the sacrifice. I read this article the other day. It said, over a lifetime, if you brown bagged your lunch every day, you'd save $112,000. We spend $112,000 on a Big Mac fries and a Coke. Man. Now, I'm not saying you've got to give up your brown bag lunch. But what I'm saying is you've got to give up something you love for something you love more. It's the value of sacrifice. The average credit card balance is $14,517. You say, how does that happen? It happens real easy. One trip to Disney World. <laughs> Gotta go to Disney World for the kids to get old. And... <whistles> Did you know that if you had the average credit card debt, $14,517, the average minimum payment would be about $217.93 at 18% interest, which you'd be lucky to get that probably. If you made that minimum payment on the $14,000 Disney trip, how long do you think it'd take to pay off? Seven years? 20? Someone said something over here. What'd you say? 40 years. It would take you 40 years. And do you know how much you would pay off at the end of that 40 years? You would have paid $104,606.40. How was Disney, baby? We don't think about that. See, we're asking the wrong questions. We're not asking how much something costs. We're asking how much does it cost per month. And that's the wrong mindset. <laughs> Man. Now, let me give you another thing. If you took that $14,000 instead of going to Disney... And maybe it took you five years to raise the $14,000. And you invested that, and let's say you got 12% interest. At the end of that 40 years, so if you took $14,000 and you invested it at 12% interest, and you let it sit there for 40 years, you know how much money you'd have in the bank? $1,350,820. I don't know about you, I'd rather have $1.3 million than go to Disney one time. It's just sacrifice. It's a game changer, isn't it? Man, it's crazy. Now, let's say you took that $14,000 and you invested it for 40 years. But also during that 40 years, every month you made that minimum payment of $217 to that fund. Do you know at the end of 40 years you'd have $3.5 million? But you wanted to go to Disney. Weren't willing to sacrifice how much difference do you think you could make in the world if you had that kind of money? We don't have a spending, I mean, see, we don't have a money problem, we have a spending problem. We're, we're not willing to show self-control and we're not willing to sacrifice. So you say, Gary, all this sounds great, what do we do? I'm gonna tell you what you do. I'm not gonna go deep into it today because I don't have time to go deep into it and you don't really need to go deep into it. I'm gonna give you the first two steps. 
okay? We're going to embrace the value of planning. If you want to live the life that you were created for, you want to go start that business, you want to have your dream home, you want to go buy land, you want to be able to travel, you got to get your finances in order. Somebody say amen. This is not the most exciting message I've ever preached today. It's not the funniest message I've ever preached today, but it will be a life-changing message. You ought to go download the podcast and listen to it regularly because there's going to be times you feel like quitting. Where's Sue and Robbie at? Sue and Robbie, raise your hand. Go ask them about getting your finances in order. They've been working. It ain't been easy, has it? And you got a long way to go. I'm talking about working full-time jobs. I'm, 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 I'm throwing you business out there. I get it. But working full-time jobs, delivering food for Food Grub and Hub Grub and blah, 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 and Amazon and working it. I'm getting ahead of myself. But they're doing good. Now, you want someone who's further along in the journey? And again, I'm putting their business out there. Go ask Phil and Tanya May about it. They changed their whole life putting principles in place, biblical principles. The Bible says it's about planning. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? Most of you don't even know what you make. Most of you don't even know what your bills are. Just the other day, I had to go to Christine. We've had some change. I said, hey, I need to see all the bills. She said, she handles the money. I said, I just want to know where we're at. Where are we at compared to what we make? And what we owe. Staggering. I want to know the cost. When I go into an event, I know what I can spend. If I didn't, I'd lose my money every time. So easy to pull out that card and say, go do this and go do that. You've got to have planning. The Bible says in Proverbs 21.5, the plans of the diligent lead to profit. The plans of the diligent. If you plan, you make profit. As surely as haste leads to poverty. Every time I jump into something real quick and don't have a plan to it, I lose money. Every time I have a plan, I work the plan, and I know what I'm going into, it makes money. She said, it's amazing. No, it's not. It's biblical. We're going to have a plan. You can wander into debt. Well, you can get in debt quick, can you not? Woo! Man, you can wander into debt quick. But you cannot wonder out of debt. you got to have a plan. Like I said, if I had more time, I'd go into it all. Uh, listen, the best thing you can do is, is write this down. DaveRamsey.com. Go there. It's the best thing you can do. Best thing you can do. Follow his plan. But I'm going to give you his first couple of steps. The first thing you're going to do is you're going to have an emergency fund. Say amen, Robbie. Amen. Robbie, because that way when your glasses break, guess what? Got an emergency fund. Say, what's the emergency fund? You're going to put $1,000 back into your savings. I don't have $1,000. You're going to find it. Well, that'd be nice to find. You got it. Walk around your house and find what you can sell. You got it. I don't care if it takes you four months to get it. Don't eat out for four months. Put everything you spend eating out. Get them. I don't care what you got to do. You're going to come up with $1,000. Say, why is that so important? Here's why. Because as you start to save money, you're going to have emergencies hence why it's called an emergency fund there's nothing more frustrating than you're working it you're working your plan boom washer goes out now you got to go five hundred dollars more into debt because you ain't got an emergency fund or bam it breaks and that's what it's there for it's game changer if you're going to get out of debt you got to have an emergency fund you get sick and you miss work for a week that's horrible you use the emergency fund. And when you take away from the emergency fund, you take 1000 you get it down to 400 you stop everything you're doing, and you get it back up to 1000 
Walk around your house. I'm telling you, it's in your house. Sell the couch. Sell the TV. I'm telling you. Sell it all. I'd rather live and have to sit on my floor Indian style than have debt. I hate it. I despise it. Can't stand it. I have some things in my house that people ask me. I'm like, I have this little camper. Camper's paid for. People all the time, you're like, you want to sell that camper? No. Why? I don't know. You don't ever use it. Yeah, I know, but man, it's there. If I ever have an emergency, then I can go sell it. I got this huge gaudy smoker because I'm just crazy like that. That's like a 500-gallon smoker for barbecue because everybody needs a 500-gallon smoker for barbecue. It just makes so much sense. That's what I needed. I didn't pay for it. I traded it out for some stuff. People are like, why don't you sell it? Nah, because one day if I ever lose anything, I need to sell it. I can sell the smoker. I keep these things back. I always want to be able to sell stuff. But here's the amazing thing. Christine went through our house about three months ago just because it was cluttered, had a yard sale in our front yard, in four days had a yard sale. It's junk that we don't use anymore. Made almost $1,600. It's in your house. You don't use it. But you might use it one day. Yeah, then let me tell you how that works. The minute you sell it, you're going to need it. I understand. Trust me. Everything she sold, I needed within the next month. But I like the $1,600 better. You got to have a mercy fund. Then I'm going to get done and we're going to go home. This ain't fun. I know, but it's going to change your life. The rest of the messages are going to be great. This one's going to be life-changing, though. You're going to have a debt snowball. Debt snowball. What do you mean? It means you're going to list all your debts. Boom, 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 boom. You're going to take your smallest payment, the $25 payment. You're going to put every extra money you have into that $25. So you have an extra $75. Instead of $25, you send in $100 that month. You're going to get it eliminated. Once you get it eliminated, though, you don't quit paying the $25. You're going to add the $25 a month to that $75 a month payment. That's the next bill you have. So now you're sending in $100. Then if you have extra money, you're sending in $150. You're doing whatever you can to eliminate that one. Because you need victories. If you start with the big one, it's going to be frustrating. Paying the $30,000 car off is frustrating. Paying the $800 doctor bill off is, woo, it's a victory. Keeps you going. And you're just going to keep rolling the payments over. When I started doing this in my debt situation, when I got to my last payment, my last payment was like a $500 a month car payment. Guess what I was sending a month in? $2,400 a month. That I was already paying in all the other bills. Paid the car off in six months that I still owe three years on. I got completely debt free in about 13 months. Because I'm so dumb that I go bankrupt and still get back in debt because I'm hard-headed. It takes me twice to learn. Now, there's a lot more steps, but we're not going to worry about those because most of you will never get past this. Emergency fund, first step. Then you're going to start worrying about your, your debt snowball. If you have any more questions, I'm telling you, just go to Dave Ramsey. All this is laid out. It's going to change your life. It's going to change your life. I'm telling you today, the people you see around this building, and I, I don't even know how to word this correctly because we don't, not that I know this about people, I'm saying, but the people you would point out and say, man, that person's successful, and that person's successful, and that person's successful, probably are not even the people who make the most money, but they're the people that understand fi- sound financial principles. They have their finances in control. It will change your life. I know it can feel overwhelming. And if you're a husband or you're a wife and you're feeling this way, I'm going to go ahead and it might be discouraging or it might be encouraging. You cannot do this without your spouse on board. You need to get them on board. If they don't get on board, 
I feel so strongly about this, and this is probably unbiblical, so I'd probably boot them. It's uncomfortable, ain't it? I'm not living in debt, the bondage of debt, because my spouse doesn't want to get out of debt. Because I want to live the life I want to live. I only got one shot at this crazy thing called life. We were talking about how we were in the parking lot. I'm like, man, I've already lived longer than I'm going to live. I want to live. I want to enjoy it. I don't want to wait till I'm retired to enjoy life. I want to enjoy it now. Get on board. Yeah, here's the deal. That means the next year might suck. But if you have the mindset it sucks, it's going to suck worse. If you have the mindset we're working our plan and our plan's working and we're going to change our life and I get to quit that job that I hate so much because I'm going to get to go chase my dream because bam, bam, it's encouraging. 2020 vision for your life. I don't care if it's a physical vision, an emotional vision, a relational vision. I don't care what it is. They all start with the foundation of a financial vision. I can't emphasize this enough. If you get your fight, you know the number one cause of divorce? Money. You know the number one cause of suicide? You know the number one cause of depression? We have a money problem. No, we have a spending problem. And you control that. You live like no one else. It sounds so cliche. You live like no one else for a year, for two years. So for the rest of your life, you can live like no one else. You eat ramen today where you can eat filet mignon the rest of your life. It changes your life. Young people, I am not that preacher. It's like, young people, listen to me. Young people, listen to me. God, get your finances in order. I wish I knew when I was 20 what I knew today about finances. You know the funny thing? I didn't make any more money this year. Don't miss this. I didn't make any, matter of fact, I might have made less. I made maybe the same amount of money this year that I did 10 years ago. My last year at my previous church, I made a lot of money. A lot of money. And you know what I was? <laughs> well, I've never said told this. I'm, I'm about to rock your world. I made about $150,000 traveling and, and then also the church. But check it out, check it out, check it out. I had $78,000 in credit card debt. I had $1,400 a month in car payments. That makes me want to vomit right now. I had a house payment that was almost $2,000 a month. So guess what? $150,000 ain't that much money when you got that much debt. <laughs> now, like I said, I probably made less than that this year. I'm, being way, I'm just being honest with you. And I have more money in the bank than I've ever had. I have the freedom to do what I want to do. And I can't take credit for that. That's my wife. But I was smart enough to submit to her. Hey, guys, hear what I just said, guys? I was smart enough to submit to her in that area. When I met Christine, (laughs) 
I had never had a checking account before. But I had a checking account, and I kept up with it in my head. So she moves in. I'm like, hey. She's like, how much money does it make? I said, oh, I think this much. So she gets online or whatever. She's like, you're not accurate at all. I'm like, yeah, I'm accurate. She's like, no. that something's wrong. She sat down at the table. Did not sleep. I'm t- I, I can't make this story up. I went to bed. I woke up. She was still at the table. Went off and did my thing. I came home the next day. She was still at the table. She spent almost 27 hours trying to balance this ledger with no receipts, no anything, to figure out how much money we really had, or how much money I really had, because it wasn't her money at the time. And she's like, uh, wow, you don't have a lot of money. I thought I had thousands of dollars, and I had like 300. I said, oh, well, that stinks. Man, now she works the plan. I submitted to her in that area. Some of you guys are going broke because you're ego, because you're, you're the man. <laughs> Shut up. Now, on the other side of that, some of you women need to submit to your husband because they're better at finances than you. I don't know who's the best in your life. I'm the best at spending money. It will change your life, though. There's no area in life that will give you freedom like the area of financial freedom. It's life-changing. I I just can't emphasize it enough to you. I know I'm beating a dead horse and I should just wrap up the sermon. But I just wish I could open up my, like, and show you how passionate I am about this issue. It's life-changing. And here's what I do know. None of you are $78,000 in credit card debt. Maybe. But if you are, guess what? You can get out of it. You can get out of it. It's hard. And it might be, the the answer might be, I hate this answer. The answer might be you just have to go bankrupt. And you've got to suck it up and live by cash for a little. And I sucked it up and, man, it was rough. But you work that plan and the plan will work. And then you can live the life that you want to live. The number one thing people tell me all the time is they say, man, I'm so envious that you just do whatever idea you have. The only reason I do that is because I can afford to. I can afford to preach to you for free. That's why I don't feel bad about going long. You don't pay me. That's why I don't feel bad about not being down here during the week. You don't pay me. I get to do what I love for free. It's awesome. Couldn't have done that 10 years ago. Get your finances in order and all the rest of this series will fall into place. 